Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, I'm going to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And... And, 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 you can follow us on Twitter, at GoForItGant. And while you're there on Twitter, at GoForItGant, you can give us a follow, at GoForItGant, on Twitter. Great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by one of the stars of BET's hit series, The Game, Barry Floyd. And Barry is going to talk. We're going to talk to Barry about the game. It's about to get started, folks. Get started in March. We're going to talk to Barry about the game and some of the exciting things with the game on BT. Also, we're going to be joined by NFL prospect, NFL draft prospect, I should say, Jordan Campbell, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Jordan actually spent a couple seasons at USC. Ultimately, he transferred to a divisional two, Division II school, New Mexico Highlands University. So we're going to talk to him about his preparation for the upcoming NFL draft around the corner, right around the corner. And so he's preparing for that and look forward to talking to him about that. I want to start in the NBA, the National Basketball Association. I want to start right now with what we saw last night. What we saw last night, in a lot of ways, it showed us possibly who the best two teams are in each respective conference. I mean, we saw last night, first off, the Miami Heat, LeBron James continuing to play off the charts, continuing to be big time, continuing to shoot high numbers from the field, continuing to be the best player on the planet. I mean, that's the way he looked last night. That's the way in the Miami Heat, they look good as a team. They beat the Bulls in Chicago, beat them thoroughly, beat them handily. 86 to 67. But the thing about it is LeBron James. He's continuing to play like a beast. He is continuing to play like a monster, like an animal, like the best player, again, in this league and the best player in this world. 11 for 15 from the field. 11 for 15 from the field. The three shots that he missed, well, he missed four shots, but three of those shots were from downtown. Three of those shots were from downtown. So inside the three-point arc, LeBron James was deadly. He was a he was a man, the man. Twelve boards and seven assists. So twenty-six, twelve, and seven. Darn near a triple double. He was impressive last night. The Heat, as a whole, were impressive last night. The Heat now on a nine-game winning streak. And again, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Do you see a team? in the Eastern Conference, 
and and I think we talked about this before, but other than what Indiana, I think could give the Heat some trouble because that's because of the versatility they had with Paul George, Granger, and the size that they had with Hibbert down low. I, I think that's a team obviously that could give the Heat some problems. I don't think they could beat the Heat in a seven game series, but they could give the Heat some problems. The Knicks, another team you would think and could give the Heat some problems as well. Knicks are a team that is struggling right now. Lost three in a row. They're a struggling team right now. So the Knicks, but you, you do think and you see the Knicks as a team that could give the Heat some trouble or at least give the Heat a series. I don't think they could beat the Heat, but I think they can give the Heat a series. But the, you look at the Eastern Conference, and to me, it's Miami and everybody else. It's Miami and everybody else. I don't see anybody else that can compete, that can beat the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference. I, I think we have teams, again, that could give the Miami Heat a series. But no one is beating the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference. No one. No one. Not the Knicks, not the Pacers, not anyone else in the Eastern Conference, not the Bulls, even with Derrick Rose. They're not beating the Miami Heat. It's just that simple. And also, what we saw last night was in the Western Conference, the San Antonio Spurs showed the Los Angeles Clippers what they showed them last year in the playoffs. They showed them, you know what? You're not ready for what we have. You're not ready for the San Antonio Spurs. You're not ready for our efficiency. You're not ready for the type of game we play. You're just not ready. The Miami Heat, I mean, not not the Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs went into the Clippers building and blew them out. 26 points, 116 to 90. So they blew them out by 26 big points. It wasn't close. It was not close. It was not a close basketball game at all. Not a close basketball game at all. It was a blowout. On many levels. It was a blowout. On many levels. It wasn't even close. Was not even close. And give, give the San Antonio Spurs and Tony Parker a lot of credit. Charles Barkley was talking about it last night. He's saying, you know what? Tony Parker is the MVP of the NBA. He is the MVP. And his logic made some sense from the standpoint best player on the best team in basketball. Best player on the best team in basketball. The best player on the best team is Tony Parker. And right now you have to say, at least record-wise, the Spurs are the best team in basketball. Record-wise, you have to say the Spurs, you know, record-wise they are the best team in basketball, but all in all, you know, you, you, you can make a legitimate argument that the Spurs are the best team in basketball. Legitimate argument that they are the best team in basketball. But I look at, unlike the Eastern Conference where you say it's the Miami Heat and, and everybody else just falls in line, out west, it's a different story. Even though the Spurs beat down the Clippers last night, even though it was a beat down, even though the game was not close at all, wasn't close at all, I'm still not, going to put the Clippers away. I'm still not going to say that the Clippers couldn't give the San Antonio Spurs a series. 
I'm starting to think, though, that they won't be able to beat the Spurs. Now, obviously you have the, the Clippers out west, but you also have out west Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is a team that is has some struggles right now. The Thunder are struggling a little bit right now. But, again, I'm not prepared at this point or at any point to say, you know, unless the Spurs actually beat the Thunder, I'm not prepared to say that the Spurs are the clear, clear-cut favorite in the Western Conference. Yes, it's looking good. Yes, they have the best record. Yes, they're playing some great basketball right now. Yes, Oklahoma City is struggling, lost three in a row. But Oklahoma City still has Durant, still has Westbrook, still has Ibaka. They still have players in OKC. So as far as me saying, you know what, Oklahoma City and the Clippers, even the Grizzlies for that matter, don't have a shot against the Spurs, I would think that's ludicrous at this point. But I will say this, the Spurs showed last night that, guess what, the Clippers, high-flying Clippers, the up-and-coming Clippers, you know what, you're still not in our league. You're still not about top spot in the Western Conference life. You're still not about that just yet. You're still not about that just yet. You got talent. You got some ability. You got some, you got some playmakers. You got one of the better point guards in the game and Chris Paul. But you don't have what the Spurs have. The Spurs just execute like no other. It's just, you know, this has been going on for years with these Spurs teams. They just execute. They don't beat themselves. They don't beat themselves. They make you beat you. They don't beat themselves, the Spurs team. The Spurs don't beat themselves. They don't beat themselves. They never have. Under Greg Popovich, with Tim Duncan, with Tony Parker, with Ginobili. And they seem to just add pieces year in and year out. They seem to add pieces year in and year out. And it's just like a well-oiled machine. It's just like that, that grandma's clock in the kitchen. It just keeps going and going and going, and you just put parts in, different pieces in, but it's still the same. The machine continues to go on. It's a well-oiled machine in San Antonio. They don't beat themselves. They don't beat themselves. Parker, and it's just funny how, you know, it's kind of subtle. But you see the transformation of Tony Parker. You see the transformation going from Tim Duncan's team now to Parker's team, to Ginobili's team. Tim Duncan is still Tim. Tim Duncan still is a problem. It's still one of the better power forwards in this game. But it's not his team no longer. It's not his team no longer. It was similar to when Tim Duncan came in and was David Robinson's team, and then you saw how ultimately it became Duncan's team. That didn't take long, actually. That didn't take long. But you look at this first team, you look at what they did last night. Impressive. Impressive. M impressive of what you saw last night. I mean, you go into L.A. against the Los Angeles Clippers, a team 
that's high-flying a team that's playing some big-time basketball, have been playing some big-time basketball throughout the course of this season. You go in the, into Clipperland, into the clip joint, and you blow them out. You blow them out. Wasn't even close. You blow them out. And, again, it was so similar to what we saw a year ago when these two teams faced off in the playoffs. What we saw a year ago when these two teams were in the playoffs, it wasn't close. It was not close at all. It was a four-game sweep. The Spurs just dominated the Clippers. Just dominated the Clippers in that series. Just dominated them. It was just a domination by the Spurs. And that's what you saw last night. You saw a domination. You saw just the methodical Spurs just executing. Just executing. And this team, I mean, they were just, the series last year wasn't close. Was not close. And we look at it, is this is this what we're going to see if these two teams will meet again in these playoffs, in the playoffs this year? Is this what we're going to see? The Spurs just having a little too much for the Clippers. The Spurs just executing a little better than the Clippers. The Spurs just being a flat-out better team than the Clippers. If you're the Clippers, it sounds like to me, if you could, you want to avoid the Spurs at all costs. You want to avoid the San Antonio Spurs. You want to avoid the execution of the Spurs, the execution of Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan. You want to avoid that at all costs. The Clippers are good, but it seems like the Spurs are better. It just seems like the Spurs are just a better team than the Los Angeles Clippers. Matchups. And life is about matchups. Sports is about matchups. The Clippers just don't match up well, I don't think, against the Spurs. You you can remember, what, two years ago when the Grizzlies the AFC beat the Spurs, the one seed in the NBA playoffs. That was a matchup issue. You remember a few years before that where you had the Mavericks against the Golden State Warriors, first round, eight seed, beating the first seed, number one seed, I should say. Matchup issue. The Warriors had so much success against that Mavericks team. I think that was back in 2007, 2008, where they just had the matchups were just in the favor of the Golden State Warriors. And when they played in that series, the Warriors just looked like a better team. Now, you can argue the Warriors weren't the better team, but the reality was that they matched up better. It was all about matchups. Styles make fights. Styles, in a lot of ways, you know, it's all about matchups at the end of the day. It's all about matchups. And the way that the Spurs and the Clippers, the way the Clippers match up against the Spurs is not good in terms of the Clippers. And the way, like just like I, we, we talked about the Grizzlies and the Spurs, just like we talked about the Warriors and the Mavericks years back, it just does not match up. It just does not match up. And because of that, because of that, 
you look at it and you see that the Clippers, they better try to avoid the Spurs. They better try to avoid the Spurs. Or guess what? The Clippers are going to suffer a similar fate than they suffered. The same fate that they suffered last season. They better be smart and avoid the San Antonio Spurs. You better avoid the San Antonio Spurs if you're the Los Angeles Clippers. Otherwise, the Clippers will be going home. They will be going home. May not be the first round, may not be the second round, but it will no matter or when they play the, the San Antonio Spurs, they're going home. They're headed back to L.A. Because there's no way. After what I saw last night, I don't see the Clippers having success against the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series. I don't see it. After what I saw last night, I, I don't see it. I just don't. The Spurs are a well-oiled machine. And going back to the Eastern Conference now, we had some interesting comments yesterday by Reggie Rose. You say, who? Who's Reggie Rose? Well, Reggie Rose is the brother of Derrick Rose. And Reggie Rose came out yesterday and ripped the Chicago Bulls for inactivity. Ripped the Chicago Bulls for not doing what they have to do to put put themselves in a position to surpass the Miami Heat, ultimately beat the Miami Heat. And Reggie Rose was talking about, he says he was speaking for himself, but as we all know, if you don't know, Reggie Rose and Derrick Rose have a close relationship. Reggie Rose is Derrick Rose's manager, and he's also his brother. So the reality is, you know, maybe conversations have been had by these two in private. And so... Reggie came, maybe Reggie came out and said, you know what? This is the way Derek feels, but Derek can't come out and say it. So I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to take the hit here. And so Reggie Rose comes out, and he says, you know what? And he, these are his quotes. What have you pieced together? Have you made any moves? Have you made any trades to get better? You know all the roads to the championship lead through Miami. What pieces have you put together for the physical playoffs? Joe Kim Noah is a great player, as Reggie Rose continues to go on. Luau Dang is a great player, but you need more than that. You have to put together pieces to your main piece. The players can only do so much. It's up to the organization to make them better. Those are the words of Reggie Rose. Derrick Rose is his brother. Those are the words of Reggie Rose. And Reggie Rose went on to say, it's frustrating to see my brother play his heart and soul out for a team and then not put anything around him. Well, Reggie, let's, let, let me help you here for a moment. The way the Bulls are currently and presently constructed, even with Derrick Rose coming back, I don't think this Bulls team, and granted the Bulls team, this Bulls team is not not playing bad basketball, haven't been playing bad basketball. But as far as I'm concerned, first off, Reggie, as Charles Barkley says, you need to shut up. You need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. Who are you? You're just Derrick Rose's brother. 
You're not famous. Derrick Rose is famous. You're just his brother. You just happen to share the same bloodline as Derrick Rose. But you, you don't sacrifice anything on the court. So you need to be quiet, as Charles Barkley said, and I, and I concur with that. Shut your mouth. Close your mouth. The Bulls are a team, you know what? I look, Even when the Bulls, you remember, they were a team a couple years back when the, 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 heat, the team, when the Heat team first got together. You looked at that Bulls team, even though they had a home court advantage, you didn't think they were going to beat the Heat. It was just a team that was so dependent on Derrick Rose to put up big-time numbers. And he did throughout the course of that season two years back. He did two years ago put up big-time numbers. But you look at this Bulls team now with Rose, Noah, Dang, Boozer. This team, have you know, they got a lot of money tied into those three, four guys, Dang, Noah, Rose, and Boozer. So you have a lot of money tied into those three guys. A lot of money. Now, what would Reggie Rose want the Chicago Bulls to do during the trade deadline? What would Reggie Rose want the Chicago Bulls to do? What? What does he want them to do? Get J.J. Redick with that? Put the Chicago Bulls over the top? I mean, unless you're getting a Josh Smith, uh, unless you're getting a Dwight Howard, uh, unless you're getting something of that nature, you know, you're not going over the top. That's not putting you over the Miami Heat. It's just not. The Bulls, I think, are in an interesting spot. This is a team right now that, you know, they're in an interesting spot. They they have pieces, you know, to, to be a second or a third seed in the Eastern Conference. But I'm not sure they have the – they don't have the pieces in my mind to take that next step. So in order for them to get those pieces, it may require them to go over the luxury tax. It may require them to, to trade some of their quote-unquote core guys, core guys such as Luau Deng, maybe Joe Kim Noah, you know, maybe Carlos Boozer. And Carlos Boozer's his contract, he's going to be a tough guy to move. Boozer's going to be a tough guy to move. So the reality is they're probably stuck with Carlos Boozer. Now, I know there was some talk, and I, and I can't say they're stuck with him, but there was talk that uh, the Bulls were thinking about trading Boozer for Andrea Bargnani. I think the Bulls are going to have to do something. Because you look at Boozer, you look at a lot of their money is tied up in $16 million for Rose, $11 mil for Noah, $13 mil for Dang, and $15 mil for Boozer. So it's a lot of money tied up in four guys. 28, you're looking at 39, almost 50, 58, 59 million tied up in four guys. Now, the four guys that are making the big time money, Boozer 15, Rose 16, Noah 11, Dang 13. Somebody, something's going to have to give there. Something is going to have to give. Because the thing about it is this, I don't think the Bulls have the roster or the talent to surpass the Miami Heat. 
They don't have the firepower necessary to get past the Miami Heat. I really don't see it. Even with a healthy Derrick Rose, I don't think this team has the firepower. Now, again, I don't know what the Bulls could have done, Reggie, Reggie Rose. I don't know what the Bulls could have done at the trade deadline that would have made you happy. I don't know what the Bulls could have did or done to have changed the fortune of their season. The only way they could change the fortune of their season is if your brother comes back. And then, you know what? It becomes interesting. Now, you don't know in terms of what he will be when he does come back, or if he does come back at all during this season. Maybe he's better better suited, best suited, I should say. Maybe the best thing to do, the best course of action, if you're the Bulls, is to sit Derrick Rose out this whole season and get him back completely 100% next year. Maybe that would be the best option if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, if you're the Chicago Bulls as an organization. Your team, I think I look at the Bulls, even with Derrick Rose, and yes, with Derrick Rose, they become a better team. But are they challenging the Miami Heat? Could they compete with the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? Yes. But are they beating the Heat? I have to say no. I don't think it is enough. I really don't. But I, I, I'm not going to completely dismiss this Bulls team because they do have some length that could give the Heat some trouble. And with Derrick Rose back, maybe a little – they're obviously with Rose back, they're going to have a little more firepower. But is it going to be enough to get by the Heat? Is it going to be enough? I mean, LeBron James is playing at an all-time level right now. He's He's doing things that we have not seen before. The numbers that he's putting up, the six games – of 30 points a game with 60% from the field. We haven't seen that before. He was the first to ever do it. We haven't seen that before. So he's putting up big-time numbers. He's playing out of his mind right now. And as far as I'm concerned, if the season were to end today, he is the MVP. The type of numbers that LeBron James is putting up, the, the type of numbers he's shooting from the field, I mean, it's just, to me, he is the MVP. No no disrespect to Tony Parker. Tony Parker's having a great year. But he's not having a LeBron James-type year. LeBron James is dominant. He's dominating. I mean, the last 10 games, this is this guy, the last 10 games. Let me read it to you. The last 10 games, LeBron James. 30 points per game. Seven rebounds a game. Six assists a game, 66% from the field. 66% from the field, seven boards, six assists, and 30 points per game for LeBron James. And that's in the last 10 games. The last 10 games. 66% from the field. Is that dominant or what? Is that dominant or what? He's been dominant. He's been off the charts. He's playing big-time basketball. And if he continues to play this way, obviously he's going to be the MVP. And if he also continues to play this way, 
Chicago Bulls, not the Chicago Bulls, the Miami Heat, will probably be repeating. LeBron will probably get himself another ring. Probably. Because he's playing off the charts. And again, I don't see anybody in the West Eastern Conference that can compete with the Miami Heat. They can compete, but I don't see anybody in the Eastern Conference that can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series. I don't see it. So, Reggie, all due respect to you, Reggie Rose. I don't know what the Chicago Bulls could have done that would have made you happy. I don't know what they could have did. I don't know. J.J. Redick would have got you excited. J.J. Redick, the addition of J.J. Redick would have got you excited, would have would have made you feel like the Bulls were doing whatever it took to dethrone the Miami Heat. Would J.J. Redick put the Bulls over the top? There is nothing the Chicago Bulls could have done trade-wise in terms, unless, again, unless you're getting Dwight Howard, uh, unless you're getting a Josh Smith, unless you're getting something along those lines, guess what? It ain't happening. And even if you got, even if you got Dwight Howard, it Going into the Lakers. Now, even if you would have got Dwight Howard, would it really have mattered? Because we look at the, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Lakers have got a couple of players now. Kobe, guaranteeing a playoff spot. Dwight Howard, echoing those sentiments. Nash, Steve Nash, echoing those sentiments. Mike D'Antoni, echoing those sentiments. They all believe. They all believe that the Lakers will get to the playoffs. Well, the team that the Lakers are going to have to surpass is the Houston Rockets. They're going to have to surpass the Houston Rockets. That's the team. But they all think they're all in. Kobe Bryant told Sports Illustrated, that he is certain the Lakers will make the playoffs. He has no fear. It's and Kobe is quoted as saying, "It's not a question of if we make the playoffs, we will. And when we get there, I have no fear of anyone: Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Denver, whoever. I have zero nervousness about that." Nash guaranteed it too, and as I said, D'Antoni. Howard, they all guaranteed it. Okay, that's just words. That is just words. It's going to be tough for the Lakers to make the playoffs, I believe. It's going to be tough. Now, I know Kobe says he has no fear. But guess what, Kobe? Your Lakers are 1-9 against the top four teams in the Western Conference. So against... The Spurs, Oklahoma City, Memphis, and the Clippers. The Los Angeles Lakers are one and nine. Those are the top teams in the Western Conference. Now, you you feel like uh, Kobe that you can you have no fear, and yes, it's good to have no fear, and I believe you don't have any fear. But guess what? Guess what? Even though you don't have any fear. I'm just looking at what I saw and what I've seen 
throughout the course of this season. I've seen a team that's been inconsistent. I've seen a team that's been so up and down. I've seen a team that doesn't defend. I've seen a team that just has and seems to have chemistry issues. What changes? Now, obviously, Lakers, you know, the unfortunate death of their longtime owner, Dr. Jerry Buss, happened this week. Kobe had an emotional speech before the Lakers went out and beat up on the Celtics. And, you know, obviously you don't want to see anybody die. But I, I, you could argue that maybe the death of Jerry Buss, Dr. Jerry Buss, could actually change the fortune of the Lakers and possibly could motivate this team and could be that motivational thing that the Lakers need to get them over the top, to push them forward. Maybe that could push this team forward. Maybe the thing, this the death of, of Dr. Jerry Buss can push this Laker team forward. Maybe. Maybe this is the thing that motivates this ball club as we sit here today. Going into tonight's games, the Lakers are three and a half games back of the Houston Rockets. The Lakers are in a nice spot in the Western Conference. Houston Rockets, who beat the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple days ago, where they got a big-time performance from James Harden. Who knew? Who knew that James Harden was this good? Who knew? 46 big points from James Harden, James Harden the other night. Who knew? Who knew? And I'm just looking at the schedule for the Houston Rockets. Next couple of games at Brooklyn, at Washington, then Milwaukee at home. Those are the next three games. Then after that in March, just looking at their schedule, the schedule seems Fairly manageable, actually, for the Houston Rockets. I mean, in March, and just looking at March's schedule, yes, they play the Clippers in March, play the Pacers, but that that's at home in Houston. They have the Spurs in March, and that is also at home. But you have Phoenix a couple times, Dallas. A couple times you have Orlando as well, play Minnesota too. So Houston, just looking at their schedule now, Cleveland as well in March. I'm just looking at their schedule, and then I look at their April schedule, Orlando, Sacramento, Portland, Denver, Phoenix, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, and they end the season against the Los Angeles Lakers. Could that game be for the AC in the Western Conference. I just look at the schedule that the Houston Rockets have to close out the season. It's a very manageable schedule. So the Lakers are going to have to play some big-time basketball, which talent-wise you would, you would think they're very capable of doing, but that's what they're going to have to do over these next couple months, over these next couple months. They're going to really have to play some big-time basketball if they want to qualify for the playoffs. And, and it's it's amazing that we're, we're – I, I still 
you know, I, and I say this all the time, but it's so amazing that we're talking about the Lakers and the Lakers barely making the playoffs. And the Lakers on the outside looking in at this stage of the season, that's amazing how that's working out. At this stage of the season, the Lakers are fighting for their playoff lives, fighting for their playoff lives. The Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, are fighting for their playoff lives at this stage of the season. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. And if they don't make the playoffs, jeez, could you imagine? I mean, and there's a good shot that they won't. It's a good possibility that they won't. The Lakers have not played consistent basketball this season. What changes for the Los Angeles Lakers? What changes? We'll see. Maybe the death of Dr. Jerry Buss spurs the Lakers on to make it to the playoffs. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. We're back. We're back. And we're about to bring in a guy now who's preparing for a big-time season. The game is back in March on BT, season number six. There is some changes. It's going to look a little different. But one man who was on the past few seasons of the game, he's back. He is the man, the one, the only. Let's bring him in now, the one, the only, Barry Floyd. Barry, how are you, man? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me back. Thanks for joining us. And, Barry, you're out in the West Coast. You're watching the Lakers on a consistent basis. This is a team, Barry. Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Pal Gasol. And this is a team that's on the outside looking in, the ninth seed in the Western Conference. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, I guess there's a chance, but um, it's just not looking like their year right now. It, it's just not. It, it's you, you. You nailed it. It just doesn't look like the year of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, uh, who uh, the best team in LA is the Clippers. They are the, the Clippers yeah, are the best team in LA. Yeah, definitely. How you like watching the Clippers? They're a very exciting team. They're fun to watch, but um, you know, I was picking Oklahoma City since the beginning of the season. I'm sticking with that pick for now, but San Antonio is making me. I don't know, they're making me a little uh, unfaithful to Oklahoma right now. <laughs> San Antonio looks very strong, right 
Yeah, they looked very sharp last night against the Clippers. I mean, they were efficient. They're just they the Spurs. You know, the, each and every year they do the same thing. I mean, no matter you know they have the core pieces, Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, and then they just they just fill the roster out like no other, and they continue to play efficient. Every year we basketball. count them out. They're gonna to be tough to beat, but Oklahoma yeah. City, man, Durant and Westbrook. I, I can't go against that. Yeah, that would I be. Can't. I hope they meet in the playoffs. That would be a real good matchup. I, I think that would that could probably be the best uh, series. That definitely would be the best the series. Playoff. That definitely would be the best series if those two teams do match up. Real quickly now, Barry, I want to talk about your Sixers. Real quickly, Andrew Bynum and his hair. What do you think about Andrew Bynum's hair? I think he just needs to find his way to the court sometime (laughs) to find his season, man. I'm just so upset uh, with that deal because I I thought they were going to be a real contender in the East. Um, uh, But you asked me about the hair. I kind of like that that little tribute to AI and Dr. J with the half throw, half braid. Maybe think about growing my hair out again, but it's – Man, I'd be if I could just see buying him on the court in a uniform, I'd be so happy. I was thinking I saw Pookie from New Jack City, you know, just <laughs> with, with that hair. I mean, that that, that was that was crazy. That's a good hair. Has, however, he wants, right? <laughs> you know, as long as he makes some kind of impact for us. That's true. Now, I'm a little jealous. I'm I'm a bald man myself, so anybody that got hair in a hairline, I'm jealous. So. I mean, I, I would love to have Andrew Bynum's hair. I'm, I'm just jealous of his hair because I'm a bald man, so I, I'm jealous. He has a hairline. I don't. So I'm a, a little jealous, a little jealous. And, Barry, LeBron James, this guy's been playing off the charts. He had the streak there, six games, 30 points, 60% from the field. We're, seeing, we're hearing all the comparisons to Michael Jordan. Are you ready to say – that there is a possibility that LeBron James could surpass Michael Jordan. Is it possible? Surpass him him as far as uh, championships are concerned because he still has a long career ahead of him. But uh, surpassing his legacy that I'm not sure about. And it's it's really hard to compare errors like that. So I, I guess you could never know because they'll never be able to play against each other, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm content with letting him be LeBron James and not comparing him to Mike so much. Right. Definitely. I mean, and I I could see that. I could definitely see that. I mean, he's playing big-time basketball, and I think everybody, you know, everybody, we we always try to find that next one. We always try to find that next one. At one point, we thought it was Kobe. And now we're we're saying it's LeBron, the, the guy that can surpass Jordan. I don't see it. You know, because he still has to win five more championships, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, you know, it, to me, it's still Jordan and everybody else. We're talking to one of the stars of BET's The Game, Barry Floyd. Barry, let's go to the game now. Season six, it gets started in March. No Tia Mowry. Pooch Hall, I think we see him one time this year. How different will the show be without these characters? It will be different but it's still going to be a good show. It's still going to be – it won't be the exact same game you know and love, but it'll be a game you know and love because um, Jay Ellis, Lauren London, they're not Pooch, they're not Tia, but they're Jay and Lauren. They bring their own 
unique qualities to the table. And I think if people give them a chance, they'll be they'll be happy with what they see. And we do see Pooch Hall one time this season? Yeah, in the premiere episode. Okay, okay. So we will see Pooch Hall one time, but after that, it's Jay and Lauren. And yeah. we'll talk about what they bring to the show, Jay, and, Jay Ellis and uh, Lauren London. Well, um, they shake things up, you know, um, because we miss uh, Tia and Pooch, but, um, and, and, you know, unfortunately they had to go their separate ways. Right. But um, that gives us a chance to inject, I guess, some new blood. Definitely. And um, Definitely. gives us a chance to people who maybe haven't been paying attention so far, now that we've got a spotlight on these two new characters, maybe that'll bring in some new eyes that haven't been watching before. Um, I didn't get to work with them as much as I would have liked to because I most of my scenes were with Malik, but I did get to work with them. Uh, I'm sorry, Hosea, I said his character name. I did get to work with them a little bit, and, um, you know, they're solid actors, and they know their craft. Right. And will we see Brittany Daniel, Kelly Pitts at all this year? No, not this season. No, okay. Okay, so she's not back. And in terms of Brandy, and, and will we see an increase Brandy this year? Chardonnay. Yeah, you'll see a lot more Brandy this year, definitely. Um, okay. they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of uh, hilarity with her and, um, and Jason's relationship. So Brandy okay. fans won't want to miss it. Definitely. We're talking to one of the stars of BT's The Game, Barry Floyd. And how about you, man? Your character, T.T., he's grown a lot over the years branching out a little more. What can we expect from T.T. in Season 6? Well, um, T.T.'s definitely reached grown man status. He's wearing a lot of suits this season. I got to for a lot of suits and wardrobe. And um, without giving too much away, Malik is thinking about his life after football. And because T.T. has become this successful businessman with the clutch truck and everything, he wrote a book, he now has a fleet of trucks. Uh, Malik comes to him to ask him for a little bit of business advice. Okay. Okay. All right. That should be very interesting to see. And what about you as an actor? I mean, we've seen your character grow over the years. Talk about your growth as an actor. Well, um, I was saying, um, I was doing an interview with BT.com not too long ago, and I was saying how when I first started, because of the way I got in, I was a production assistant kind of caught a break. They asked me if I wanted to audition for this part, and I booked it. Um, I kind of went in feeling like I snuck in the back door. Right. It felt like at any moment the bouncer was going to come and kick me out. Um, <laughs> but over the years, I've, I've kind of I've grown into the role. I've become a better actor, and now I, I feel like I belong there as opposed to, uh, you know, the guy who just snuck in and has to look right. over his shoulder all the time. So uh, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm more comfortable as an actor. Okay, okay. And, and I remember we had you on last time. You talked about uh, one of the storylines or story ideas you were looking at is the possibility of T.T. and, and Tasha Mack getting together. Is yeah. there any possibilities of that happening in Season 6? Uh, you'll have to tune in and watch. I don't want to give away no. I don't want to answer too many questions too early. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be good. I hope it does happen. I would like to see that happen. Uh, you two, t- 
Tasha Mack and, and TT get together. I think that would be great for the show, and I think it would be a good thing. But we'll see. We have to watch. It, it, it comes on in March, folks, so we got to watch and, and see what happens. What about you? What, do you? what else do you have going on outside the game? Uh, well, um, I've been doing a lot of voiceover work lately, which is um, it's a lot of fun. And um, it's it's a whole new like I'm I'm doing commercials now. I'm trying to work my way up to the cartoons and the video games because uh, I just think that would be so cool. You know, I play a lot of video games. To hear my voice actually come out of my PlayStation would be uh, kind of amazing. <laughs> so I'm trying to work my way up to that right now. And um, beyond that, I'm just I just got back to LA. We wrapped the show last week, so I took a week off to kind of relax and get back in the on the uh, Western time zone. Now, starting Monday, I'm back on that Hollywood grind, auditioning, looking for the next job, um, hoping for season seven but not relying on it. Right, right. And just seeing what happens. And now you guys, I know previous years you guys shot the game in Atlanta. Is that where you shot it again this year? Yeah, that's where we are now. Where that's where we okay. shot this year. Okay, okay. So you're still in Atlanta. And you said it's going to be different. Are we still going to see the comedy that we saw a lot last year? Yes, you will. Um, uh, I've been saying the past couple of seasons we've become more of a dramedy because right. they, 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 they've got a lot of drama, but they still they haven't lost the comedic group, so you're going to get a lot more of that. Now, I know, I believe last year you were in about six episodes. It, does that increase in season six for you? Um, I should, it should be about the same. It was more than six. I'm trying to remember. I guess I was in about ten last season. Okay. So it's okay. going to be around that number again this season. Okay. Okay. So about ten episodes, we'll see you, your smiling face. We'll see your 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 acting and see you do your thing on the game. And it's back in March, folks. I mean, it should be very very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Season six. I'm looking forward to. It's going to be different. I think it's going to be different. I'm looking forward to see how different it will be with the new cast of characters. Yeah, I don't. Um, you won't be disappointed. We we still got a lot of the same writers, and they're still bringing their magic to the table, and um, you know they're making it work. And I think people will be I think people will be pleasantly surprised if they just you know give the new new kids a chance. Right, right. And it starts in March. You guys have a, a specific date when it starts. No, no, you know what? Nobody's given me a date yet, but um, I can give you, let's see, it's going to be a Tuesday, probably the 26th. Okay, okay. So probably the 26th, March 26th, same time yeah. slot, 10 o'clock, you and uh, Let's Stay Together. Yep. And where, where can fans find information about some of the great things Barry Floyd has going on? Follow me on Twitter. I'm always updating whatever I'm working on. It's at Barry underscore Floyd. I, re, I reply to people. I retweet. So definitely feel free to follow me and, and give me a holler. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, just my real name, Barry Floyd. And um, I'll give my Instagram, too. Um, I'm Barry underscore Floyd, just like on Twitter. Okay, okay. Fans, support some of the great things Barry Floyd has going on. This is a guy who's done a lot of grinding to get to the position that he's in right now. Good guy, humble guy, very good guy. Love having him on, love talking to Barry Floyd. Barry, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with the game season six. 
I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of you, man, and wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Oh, definitely, definitely. Thanks for having me again. Take care, Barry. Bye. See ya. Barry Floyd, one of the stars of BT's hit series, The Game. She'll be very interesting. Again, a lot of different dynamics this year. I mean, it's a different show in a lot of ways. No more Tia Maori. Pooch Hall, very, very reduced role. We'll see him one time. One time. So it's going to be a little different, but I'm looking forward to it. The game has always been a fun show, always been a fan over the years of the game, of Pooch Hall, of Barry Floyd, of everybody in the game. And no more Pooch Hall, but I've been a fan of him. But I'm a fan of Barry Floyd, been a fan of, of Jose Sanchez and the rest of the guys at the game. Should be very, very exciting. Season six, it's the game. Lauren London's in there. I mean, enough said. I mean, that's that's all I need. I mean, it's a lot of eye candy with Lauren London. A lot of eye candy, so we're looking forward to season six of the game. Lauren London, Barry Floyd, Jay Ellis, and the rest of the boys of the game. It premieres in March. Check your local listings for the days and the times in your area. Game is back. It is back. And again, I was talking about the Lakers and talking about what and all the guarantees these guys are making. These guys are making guarantees left and right, guaranteeing this and guaranteeing that. Come on, Lakers. Let, let's let's let's. Well, I, I mean, you gotta like the confidence. You definitely have to like the confidence of this ball club. And of course, they're gonna say they're make, they're gonna make the playoffs. A lot of people thought the Lakers should have moved Dwight Howard. I've heard a lot of growing murmurs, if you will, of, of people saying that you know what the Lakers should move Dwight Howard before the break, maybe to the Nets with a package centered around Brook Lopez somewhere, somewhere. That's what the Lakers should have done. And, I mean, you know, you look at this Lakers team, the way it's presently constructed and the coach that they have, it's obviously not a a mix. It's a bad mix. And, you know, with the new rules and the new luxury tax rules that are coming with with the new CBA, you know, you wonder, you know, there's a lot of money tied up in, in, in guys who are just not working well together, just not meshing together. It's just not meshing together for the Lakers. And I don't know if it ever will. I don't know if it ever will. I really don't. I don't know if the Lakers can get this thing together. Again, they have the talent. They have the talent. The talent is there in L.A. The talent is there in L.A. But does it really go together? The coaching staff, the coach, I should say, and his system. And here's the thing. I was thinking about this um, this week. I was thinking about this this week. You know, Mike D'Antoni is at his best when he can implement his system and when he can have the players in his system. He's at his best. He's at his best when he's coaching his system. That's when he's at his best. It's like, to me, you wouldn't bring in Buddy Ryan if he's not doing the 46. That's what, and you don't have the personnel to do the 46 defense. 
You wouldn't bring in a Buddy Ryan to, to, to run your defense if you don't have the personnel to run the 46. You wouldn't do it. doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. You wouldn't bring in any type of coach if you don't have – you want the coach to be at his best. Mike D'Antoni's at his best when he's doing the Mike D'Antoni system and when he has the players who can run his system. That's when he's at his best. We've seen it in Phoenix. The success he had in Phoenix. It wasn't championships, but it was some success. It was a lot of success. It was a lot of success. But you you hand the keys to the franchise to Mike D'Antoni, and he doesn't have the players, the personnel, to run his system. So it doesn't work. It, It doesn't work. It's just backwards. It's backwards when you bring in a guy like Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, you bring him in to run and to coach your team. To coach your team. You bring him in to coach your team, and you don't have the personnel. You don't have the personnel to run his system effectively. You don't have the personnel to run his system effectively. You just don't have the personnel. You don't. And the thing about it, is it going to change? I mean, Phil Jackson came out, and he was critical of the way the Lakers have been using Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's dad was critical about the way the Lakers are using Dwight Howard. I mean, Phil Jackson believes, and, and this is these are his quotes, Dwight Howard just doesn't get any touches. They basically eliminated his assets. They just don't put the ball in the post. They'll use a screen and roll to get the guy in the post, but there's no consistent plan to do it. Phil Jackson said he would use Dwight Howard the same way he used Shaq. The same way. The same way. And I look at the Lakers situation, and I agree. The best way to use Dwight Howard is to give him touches. Maybe the best way for the Lakers to go is inside out. But, as again, over the years, we've seen Mike D'Antoni and his system. His system has been predicated on small ball, on stretch fours, stretch big men, big men who can shoot the jumper. Consistently. Not power post guys. This just doesn't match. It just doesn't match. It's not perfect together. To me, this is a bad marriage. But the only thing that's keeping this marriage together, I would think, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs here, who does the blame go on? You got to look at your coaches. You got to look at Jim Buss for the move he made to bring in Mike D'Antoni. you got to look at that. But I, I, I say this all the time. The Lakers, this whole thing could fall apart big time if Dwight Howard decides to go elsewhere. If Steve Nash breaks down. If, I mean, Kobe Bryant is only getting older. He's only getting older. This thing could really break down for the Lakers. 
could get ugly in L.A. if they don't make the playoffs. And even if they make the playoffs, do you really? I know they'll be scary, but do you really see this Laker team beating the top teams in the West in the playoffs? Do you really see that? I don't. Second hour of Go For It starts now. be joined by NFL Draft prospect Jordan Campbell from New Mexico Highlands University. Jordan's preparing for the upcoming NFL Draft. A lot of people believe that Jordan Jordan Campbell is going to be a sleeper in this draft. He's going to be a guy that can really help a team, a lot of people think. So we're going to talk to Jordan as he prepares for the upcoming NFL Draft. And speaking of the draft and the NFL offseason, reports are that the league is thinking about pushing the combine back, pushing some things back. And to me, pushing the combine back, pushing the draft back, basically pushing free agency back, basically changing the whole offseason. I think it's a great move. I think it's a great move. With the league is look, thinking about them pushing the combine back to March, start free agency in April, and then start to draft early in May. That's what the league is thinking about doing. And I look at that and I say to myself, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea because you look at it, the NFL, you do that, and now your league, in my mind, becomes year-round. You push it back, and then you push it back enough where you got May, the draft, and then you got mini camps, and then you got training camp. June and July, you got mini camps in June and then training camps in July and everything. By by time, by time you get, you know, you, it'll be a situation where the NFL will basically be a year-round league, and then you're in a situation now where the league becomes relevant, and you're talking about the NFL throughout the course of the year. I think it's a great move by the league if they do it. I think it's a great move. I think it would be a great move for the league. I think it's a, it, I think it's very important that, you know, with this league now, what the league is doing, what they may do is, you know, you're you're extending the off season and you're in a situation now where your league is being talked about 365 days of the year. All 12 months of the year, we're talking about NFL. February, the Super Bowl ends. Then you, you start thinking about the combines and the draft in March. Combines go on. You can add more and maybe do some more things with the combines. Get, add on, have different combines. And then, you know, you have a situation in May. Well, I mean, April where free agency starts. And then, you know, people are still talking about the league. Free agency, where is this guy signing? Who's going to sign this guy, that one? And then you got the draft in May. And then in June and July, you start thinking about training camps. So this is a great situation. I mean, 
this is a great, I think it would be a great move for the league. And it was weird. I, I was, you know, it was similar, it's similar to me uh, a year, a few years back when we had the decision show with LeBron James and, and everything for the NBA. I thought that was the, one of the greatest things for the NBA, having LeBron James doing that decision show and, and just his whole free agency. Now, it wasn't a good thing in terms of what happened with LeBron James and the backlash that he got, but in terms of the publicity that it garnered for the league, the publicity that the league got from that whole decision and that whole free agency period in that particular year was great. It kept us talking about the NBA. And, you know, the NFL, with that, with pushing things back, it's going to have us talking about the NFL Again, 365 days of the year, seven days a week. We wouldn't get enough of football. Free agency is exciting. The draft is exciting. The combines are exciting. Training camps are exciting. The league also wanted to start, or thinking about actually, also having training camps start the same time, which I think would be good as well. Everybody starts their training camp on the same day, at the same time. I think that would be great. I truly think that would be great. I think that would be a great idea for the league. I hope that the NFL does it. I really do. I think it would be a good idea for them. I really do think that would be a good idea. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I think, you know, the league by doing this, you know, it's always an opportunity to to get yourself some more money somehow, some way, and just keep Everybody thinking about football. Football is America's game. Football is America's game. It's football first and everything else a distant second. I mean, the NFL has really, really established itself and really set itself apart from other leagues. It really has. And why not continue with that? Why not continue the momentum as far as I'm concerned and just do it in a way where we have foot, we're talking about football in February, we're talking about football in March, we're talking about football in April, we're talking about football in May, we're talking about football in June, July, August, and of course we're going to be talking about football in September and on throughout. It's a great idea. It's a great idea, truly a great idea. I don't know how anybody could think differently. It keeps the NFL fresh. It keeps it fresh. February, again, you have the Super Bowl. March, you have the Combines. April, you have free agency. May, you have the draft. June, you have the mini camps and the training camp. And guess what? We're talking about the NFL. 365 days a year. The NFL Network would have something legitimate to talk about for 365 days of the year. The NFL Network can have different type of programming, programming now, better programming for 365 days of the year. It's a great idea. And from the standpoint, as a fan of the NFL, I would love, and a person who loves talking about the NFL, 
I would love to talk about the NFL 365 days of the year, 12 months a year. I would love to, 52 weeks of the NFL. And I think a lot of people would agree. I love baseball, I love basketball, love the NBA, love Major League Baseball, love it all. But football is football. Football is king. So, you know, I, I would love to talk football all day, every day. And I think if the league does push back the off season, I think there's a great opportunity to talk football all day, every day, 365 days of the year. We shall see what happens with that. We shall see. It would be interesting. Just going around the league in the NFL, now I'm D. Asenwag. The Eagles have approached him about redoing his deal. They want a new. They want him to reduce his contract. He's scheduled to make 15 million this year. Reports are the Eagles want to bring that number down to about four million. We'll see if that happens. We shall see if that happens. Be interesting. Namdi's going to have to do it if he wants to stay with Philadelphia. Could you get see Namdi getting any more than four million a year? I don't think so. I don't. But we'll see what happens with Namdi Asamwag. And we're going to bring in a guy now who's preparing for the upcoming NFL draft, which is right around the corner. This guy, he's on YouTube. You see some of his YouTube videos. This guy, he's a workout king, workout freak. He's in the gym. He's preparing himself, getting himself physically, mentally ready for the upcoming NFL draft. Let's bring him in now, New Mexico Highlands University Former New Mexico Highlands University linebacker, the one, the only, Jordan Campbell. Jordan, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, it's watching this combine and, and just seeing where people are placing their numbers on the bench and uh, seeing where I stand so I can just continue to, like you said, compete and, and get after it and uh, get ready get ready to um, help a franchise win and whoever believes in me. And, what, and what's going through your mind? As you're watching the combines now, what's going through your mind? Is it, oh, I can, I'm better than that. I can do this better than that than that person. I mean, what's going through your mind? Um, I'm a competitor. Coming out of high school, I was the number two linebacker in the country on Rivals.com. So I really don't like when people say players are better than me or or that I'm I'm a diamond in the rough. Or not a sort of that. Like I'm a I'm a sleeper because uh, I've been here the whole time. Um, Pete Carroll wanted to have sat in my in my living room and recruited me if I wasn't that type of guy that belonged to the combine. Um, a few days ago, I just recorded 225, 39 times on the bench. So see to see some of these offensive linemen guys that are are freaks and and um, so so called the strongest guys in college football put up 21, 22, 23 reps on the bench. Um, just uh, gives me a lot of confidence to see how hard I've been preparing and training for uh, my pro day and just see where I stand with these guys. And we look at you, man, we look at the numbers last season, 107 tackles, 24 lack tackles for loss, 12 sacks, eight quarterback hits, three forced fumbles. The numbers are great, very great. But some will say, you know what, you did that on the divisional, Division two level. How would you respond to that? It's funny because I see that a lot. It says, well, he didn't start at USC. Well, look at the linebackers that were in front of me, Brian Cushing. Clay Matthews, Ray Malaluga, Q 
Keith Rivers. That's all for, That's all first-round draft picks who started their first year in the NFL. Throwing Kaluka Maiva, who went third, third round, he uh, was MVP of the Rose Bowl. So, it says, nah, no, no, I didn't start. Mark Sanchez didn't start until his fourth year. Clay Matthews <laughs> didn't even start his fifth year of college football. He started his third game of his senior year and still went first round. That's the type of athletes that you, you have at big programs like USC or Alabama. You had Trent Richardson sitting behind Mark Ingram. It's because it's a program. That's what you do. You bring the best players in the country in. They wait their turn to play. They develop on special teams. And right before they get right before they get their chance to start or get in, then two years in a row, then they're ready to go in and compete and, and make their name for themselves in college football. For me, being there two years behind those guys, I learned so much. And um, had great coaching from Ken Norton, Jr., who's in the NFL, Coach Joe Barry, who's right. in the NFL, Monty Kiffin, who's in the NFL, Pete Carroll, who's in the NFL. I could keep going down the list of coaches that I've been coached up by who are in the NFL. So to say, yeah, he did that at the D2 level, no, duh, I was supposed to. I'm a USC <laughs> linebacker. That, that's what I, exactly what I was supposed to do. That's why I broke the TFL NCAA record because I was that guy. It just so happened. So I was playing Division Two, same with Janoris Jenkins. He went from Florida to playing D2, and he went second round. There's no difference right. in between my story and his story. It's just he started at, at Florida for two years, and I sat behind five of the best linebackers in college football history for two years. The only game I did start at USC, I led the team in tackles. I had eight tackles in the TFL, and that was the one shot I got to start, and then I got hurt my rest of the sophomore year, sat out until a bunch of games, and they came back in the bowl game as Getting ready for my big year, my redshirt junior year, Pete Carroll and the whole crew left, and Monty Kiff, uh, Coach Lane Kiffin came in. And then you go on, you went on to Louisville. Ultimately, you went state or long, but you ended up in Division Two, New Mexico Highland University, where, like you said, you dominated, you put up the numbers, and you, as you said, that is something you're supposed to do, being where you came from. Now, we look at you now, Jordan. You played in the 2013 NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. You were, you were impressive there, six tackles, two of those tackles for loss. How do you think you fared there? Oh, I dominated all week, all week of practice. I played um, – it was funny because as soon as I got there, I was going through the interview process, and I was the shortest linebacker in the game with only D2 guy there. Um, and it was just like, oh, well, you can play middle linebacker. You might be able to play weak side linebacker because you're short. You can't cover tight ends. Me being me, I'm a competitor. I took that to heart. I said, okay, I'm playing Sam linebacker this week. As Coach Kurt Cavea, former Redskins uh, coach, said, I like your attitude. I'm lining up at Sam linebacker. Let's show these people you can cover tight ends. Whole week of practice, I shut all the tight ends down. Um, every single day in practice, I led everybody in tackles, led in TFL, shut down nine on seven until every day I'd come. And I, after the end of practice, I'd have five to six teams sitting there and talking to me, and they want to know, why did you leave SC? Everybody wants to know that question. And then here comes the game, and you hear Todd McShay, ESPN impact player of the game, six tackles, two for loss. And um, I was in on a bunch of other plays, and I actually played Sam linebacker and Will linebacker that game because our Will linebacker went down. Um I could play outside, inside, middle, four, three, three, four. Like I said, I've been blessed to be around such great coaches who taught us the game the right way and how to get on the board at an early age and how to compete at a, such a high level. USC was pretty much an NFL minicamp. You got Matt Barkley, who was coming out this year, faced him. You got um, just everybody I was able to play with, and even Coach Charlie Strong at Louisville playing underneath him for a year. He was just a defensive mind uh, guru, just blessed 
to the six years that I went, I was able to be around such great programs and such great coaches where it brings me to the NFLPA game and I step on the field and I dominate. Um, and myself, again, I was mad that I wasn't in the Senior Bowl because everybody wouldn't have been questioning my talent. I would have went to the Senior right. Bowl and I would have rocked, rocked the Senior Bowl too. And, and just talking to you, you know, I, I can just hear the confidence in your voice, the confidence that you have in your abilities, man. Where where does that confidence come from? Um, I, I've been – my dad's been my high school coach growing up my whole life. My grandfather, who passed away from cancer, was my uh, my weight room training coach. And um, I went to Norco High School, one of the number one powerhouses in uh, California. So me and Toby Gearhart um, from Stanford, now he's in the league. We went to four straight consecutive championships, um, winning my junior and senior year back-to-back. Um, I played running back, linebacker, and punter. Same thing I did at, at New Mexico Highlands. Um, so I've been bred to go to not only USC and play there, but to get to the NFL minus all the the, 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 the haters saying I'm too short, I'm too slow, I'm too this. I always prepared in my life to be great. It was always taught to win the day. So every single day I'm preparing to outwork the person ahead of me because I don't know when it's when my opportunity is going to come. That's when mm-hmm. I went from, from Louisville and came back home. Me, myself, personally, I said, okay, I have to go Division Two football. Guess where I'm going to go? I'm not going to go to a powerhouse like Northern Alabama, even though they were recruiting me, uh, or Pennsylvania CA, who was recruiting, recruiting me, every top D2 school in the country. I said, if I could do it at New Mexico Highlands, who was the worst Division Two school in the country, 142 out of 142 when I got there, dead last in our conference, and have never had an All-American or a, a, a linebacker get to the NFL. None. None. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to New Mexico Highlands and visit the worst school in the country. Before I left there, we finished 8-2, and two, and we only lost to the number one team in the nation and the number 12 team in the nation. I went both ways. I broke the record for NCAA record at punting, had an 89-yard punt, I, uh, number one in the nation for TFLs, and back-to-back years I was number one for sacks and uh, TFLs for any linebacker in the country. So the numbers in a lot of ways speak for themselves. And you got your pro day coming up March 7th. As we said, you were impressed at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl game. You did work there. What do you hope to show scouts on your pro day that you have not shown to this point? Um, I just I just want them to um, – well, I'm, I'm going to play. They want to see running back at pro day too. So I'm, I'm going to go both ways there. I'm going to play a little okay. bit of running back. I'm going to do the running back drills. I'm going to do the linebacker drills. But everyone's question is, can, can I move? They see all the weight room videos, me squatting 600-plus pounds, power cleaning three-plus on the on power clean and doing all this weight, and you would naturally think a guy like me, oh, he's just a weight room guy. He's stiff or he's this, he's that, and that's totally not the case. Look at Trent Richardson. He's putting up the same same weight, but he's a freak. So I want people to understand, like, yes, I'm 5'10", 244, but I'm doing my linebacker drills like I'm a strong safety. I'm doing my fullback drills like I'm a running back. So I, that's what's always gotten me noticed going to out of high school. I went there having no scholarships going into the Nike Spark camps that they used to have, and I left with 44 scholarships, putting up the number one score in the nation. If Ohio State, Florida, Michigan, USC, everybody on my voicemail because they actually got to see me perform live. Once you see me perform live like the nation got to see me perform live, live at the NFLPA game and all the coaches that week, the buzz started growing. Same thing that's going to happen on my pro day. They're going to say, dang, this kid is really this athletic. I'm going to jump at 38 on the vert. I'm going to do 225, 35-plus times. I'm going to run the 4-5, and that's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% real. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not putting stuff up on YouTube that I can't do. That's why I want to p- compete and perform whenever I can because I right. want scouts to know that, hey, we got somebody who 
we might call him a sleeper, but he needs to be called a steal or he needs to, whatever it is. We need to draft him before someone else drafts him. And I look hey, at London Fletcher, London Fletcher, who is five ten, came from a D three school. He's played fifteen years in the league. Definitely, I mean, definitely, he's stuck. He's stuck around in this league. And you talked about you're going to do the running back and the linebacker drills. Could you play? Do you see yourself possibly playing running back on the NFL level? Um, I, I want to. I'm a linebacker at heart. I played linebacker my whole life. My dad was my linebacker coach, so I want to play linebacker. But I've I've uh, excelled at a high level at running back in high school, and then when I got the ball here at the D2 level, um, I was always able to just take the rock and and take it to the house. So um, I have deep down inside. I have um, it, running back comes very natural to me. Linebacker, I have the passion for it. But um, I want to play linebacker in the NFL. But if a team needs me and they they want me to play that position, then hey, um, I'll play both sides of the ball. I'll do special teams. Um, I'll do the wedge bus. I'll play the up guy and punt. Um, I'm, I'm just your blue. I'm your blue collar worker who just wants to strap up and grab my tool belt and go to work every day. Definitely, we're talking to new, former New Mexico New Mexico Highlands University linebacker Jordan Campbell as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft and Jordan. You talked about it, man. Again, your pro day March seventh. Your super regional combines two weeks after that. So you you played on the division two level, man. So there is a lot of pressure for you to perform and to be at your best. Do you feel any type of pressure? Oh, it's no pressure. I feel myself. I should have been in the league back in two thousand eleven with the rest of my boys. I'm I'm the last guy in my recruiting class who I signed to number one recruiting class in the nation to be in the NFL. So now it's just like, when's my time going to come? And I just say, I just have this big chip on my shoulder. And it's not, I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way. It's just, if you've looked at the dates on my video from back in 2000, early 2011, I haven't stopped working since. And I've been preparing. Why I, I, why guys are go hanging out or doing what they do, I'm in the gym four hours in the morning, come back, eat, ice tub, go back, work my linebacker coach, go back eat some more, and then I go right back to the gym and finish up with yoga at the night. So there's no pressure. The only thing that's pressure is, is I can't wait to compete. Like I was in the NFLPA game. I can't wait to get there and bust these kids in the mouth because I'm 24 <laughs> years old now. When I was at SC and I was competing against all these great athletes, um, there's no one I'm going to face in any of these all-star games who's Tyron Smith, who's Matt Khalil, who's Mark Sanchez, who's Joe McKnight. I- I've played against all the greats all the great college athletes at least. These guys are all first-round draft picks. So to do that at 18, 19, 20 years old, now that I'm 23 going, well, now I'm 24 years old, it's like I, I've seen it. This is the guy that I need to beat, no problem. I, I At a young age, and when I was a puck in college, I was facing guys who, who are now first-round draft pick, top 10 in the league. So there's no pressure to compete at any all-star game that I went to. I was going to go there and I was going to dominate because I prepared for it for the last six years of college any pro day or anything I have coming up, I'm going to crush it because every single day the last two years that I've spent in, I would say, misery, hell, not watching all my boys. I, I could barely turn on the TV because I'm watching Clay Matthews. I'm watching Kush and Maluga. Everybody crush it in the league. And I'm sitting in Las Vegas, New Mexico, a town of 5,000 people, not not playing at the level that I want to play at and reading right. stuff on the message boards, and people think, oh, he's done with his career. He'll never make it out of Las Vegas, New Mexico. Nobody has ever turned that program around. That's that's the black hole. And I just worked. I had so much motivation to do what I just did these last two years at Las Vegas, New Mexico, that 
that's what I needed. The light bulb finally switched on in my head and said, I cannot take a day off. So I got better for the last two years. However many days that is, how many seconds, however many minutes, it left me to where I'm at now, 5'10 and a half, 240 pounds of solid muscle, and I'm right. pushing up the best numbers in, in the combine this year if I was there. Now, you talked about playing with Brian Cushion, playing with, playing with Malaluga, playing with Clay Matthews. Have you talked to these guys uh, about playing in the NFL? Oh, constantly. These my story is everywhere now. Like on the YouTube, on, on the YouTube videos, got a million views on my on my uh, on my YouTube channel. And um, these guys even hit me up and say, JC, I, I, we love your fire. I love your fire. Like you're keeping me going to see that how I, how hard I used to work when I was fresh out of college and how hungry you are. I, I'm I'm able to get in the gym and say, Hey, JC's coming for my job. So I get text right. messages from Ray Maluga and. I started a clothing brand called Circle of Success, and you might see it in all my videos. I have a shirt called We. It's a We Eating shirt, and it stands for Winning's Everything: Effort, Attitude, Toughness, Intelligence, and Nastiness. And all my buddies, they're all wearing. If you see Ray Maluga on Twitter tweeting it out, and you see Keith Rivers and Kaluka Maiava, all these guys have been following me because I was one of the brothers. I sat in meeting rooms. I did two days with them. I was getting yelled at by Coach Ken Norton, and and the whole thing. So they were my older brothers when I was going through the whole USC thing and I was the pup. So now for me to finally get to this stage, they're reaching out to me and saying, hey, man, keep it going. This is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. This is what you you do when you're interview process. Um, stay training. Like the league, it's it's made of journeymen. Uh, it's made of guys who bounced around the league, went to Canada, went here, went there, and it's just you got to stay consistent. When you get here, you got to act like a pro. Be a professional right. in everything you do. And so to have these guys that are now the face of the NFL reaching out to me, that's why I'm able to have this confidence and know how to prepare and be able to go to these all-star games and just be honest with these coaches and say, yes, I was at USC for those years and I did not want to leave. And the situation that I got into at SC landed me to a one-year suspension. So when I transferred to Louisville, I had the starting spot at Louisville, Coach Strong, he told me he'd be able to fix my situation. He couldn't fix my situation, so I had to come back home. I had to file for an NCAA waiver. I had to sit out a full year. I had to wait until the waiver got cleared by NCAA for me to go to back to a, a small school. So the, the adversity that I faced in this last six years is more than any college football player going, coming out of right. the draft this year. And that's why I'm working so hard is so I don't lose it again. I don't like where I was in 2010. I wasn't the person that my grandfather and my dad made me to be. So now that I've been working to go from hell back and climb this ladder to success, I'm not going to lose it again. So I'm just honest with these scouts. I'm honest with the media and everybody. And say, yes, I was a dumb kid at 20 years old, and I threw a punch, and I never got arrested. It wasn't charges pressed, but since it happened on campus, it led me to a suspension. I'm sorry. Right. I learned from it. Now I'm a man. Now I'm 24 years old. And it was, I guess, God at the time wanted me out of SC or out of me the situation I was in because I wasn't the best Jordan Campbell I could have been. Now I'm the best Jordan Campbell at 24 years old moving on to this next stage in my life. I'm going to make an immediate impact when I go into the NFL as a rookie. And they always say sometimes you got to go through a little hell to get to heaven. And you're working your way to the league right now, and it's a great time for you. I think it's, a, you know, you sound very – the one thing I, that is so telling in talking to you is the confidence. You sound very confident in your ability, very confident in who you are as a person at this point and who you are as a player. And so 
I think what you're saying and, and, and talking to me and obviously when you talk to, to GMs and, and coaches around the league, I think it's going to translate very well. I want to get to know you a little little better, a little more, a little more, and I got a few questions for you that will help us and the audience get to know you a little better. First question, what song or artist do you listen to before a big game? I like <laughs> I like Eminem. I like to um, lose yourself or collapse. Um, just that, just what same kind of thing he I've been through. He's been through that pain, that struggle. That this is your one shot, and I've already lost my one shot before. So every time I get ready to perform All Star Game Combine, what it is, it's just a reminder in my head. Just this is your one shot to blow. Do not miss this opportunity again. So I kind of get in my zone, and I just throw in the Eminem and lose yourself and. I just lose myself in the competition, in the game, in the, in the weight room, whatever it is. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Eminem. So Eminem, lose yourself before each and every big game. Now, you got your pro day coming up. you got your pro day coming up March 7th. What are you going to do in terms of music? Is it going to be Eminem? Is it going to be something different before your pro day March 7th? I'm going to have the Eminem. Um, that, that, that's a must. But I also like that new Drake that came out that started from the bottom because okay. same thing. That started from the bottom, which is the worst Division two school in the country. So to really start from the bottom, from a school that was dead last in college football, and to climb this back up to the top, it's just like I said. Now, everything I do in my life is just reminders of where I once was, and I did not like that situation. I didn't like being uncomfortable and not just being in that life where I was two, three years ago. And to start from the bottom or to to lose it all and, and work my way back to the top, these are just reminders that just puts me in the zone and just just re- lets me release everything that I've been through the three years on the field or in the weight room. Who was your favorite team growing up? Um, uh, college-wise, obviously, I'm an SC kid living in L.A. Um, professional, I, re- I really never had a, a big professional team that I, I really mm-hmm. liked and uh, – because LA really didn't have a team growing up, so I liked players all over this, all over when I was a kid. But um, now that I'm older, same thing. It's so many of my buddies play on all 32 teams, so now I'm rooting for players and really instead of team, instead of team. So now, whoever drafts me, that's going to have to be my team. McDonald's or Burger King? Um, try to stay away from both. I'm a California guy, so I like In and Out. If you know, okay. I don't know if you know what that is. Okay, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. And the final question, the final question, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Um, I I came in this life with my family and and, um, my mom and and my immediate family, and I lost a lot of people through my life through cancer, about four. So if I could just spend time with the, the love the people that I have that's been supporting me through all this uh, my, my trials that I've been going through over the last few years um, I would have to say I'm gonna have to stay with my family and just um, they they brought they helped me bring it in together so I'm gonna have to have to go out with them you got the clothing line you you, you have all the YouTube videos where can fans find information about Jordan Campbell some of the great things Jordan Campbell has going on um, if you just follow me on Twitter, I'm, I'm a social media um, guy, so I'm usually posting motivational quotes out through the day. 
um, posting stuff on Instagram. They're just mo- motivational stuff. Um, so if you want to follow me on, on Twitter at J underscore Campbell underscore COS, and um, you follow me on there and my Instagram off of there and YouTube, it's just Jordan Campbell, and I have um, about 12 really good videos um, that I've filmed Nike type of commercials with my buddy from USC Film School. So either YouTube Jordan Campbell or you could go on Twitter uh, J underscore Campbell underscore COS, and I'm um, just just uh, enjoy the posts that I do all day. Everything's motivational and um, to try to share my story as much as I can because on the on the YouTube um, comments you, you could you could read the comments how it's um, been able to affect a lot of people's lives. So I just continue to try to do that and share my story about about um, just working hard, hard work, hard work beats, beats talent. Definitely. And at the end of the day, do you expect to hear your name in April during the NFL draft? Oh, no doubt. Um, same way I've been able to win over win over everybody these last few years um, with with my grind and with my hard work. And um, once I'm able to sit down with these teams and these uh, these owners and the GMs, and they'll really like a guy like me. Um, the talent's there. That's that's no no question. If Pete Carroll went and came and got me, and Kid Norton, if it wasn't, now it's just figuring out if my if I, if I have like, character issues, and um, that's where it just comes and just letting everybody know what really happened and what's uh, what, what's really going on. So I feel once I just once I clear up the character issue part, um, my name it should be called on January 28th, a lot earlier a lot earlier than a lot of people really think. So we will be hearing you. We will be seeing you on Sundays. Oh yeah, that's okay. yeah, that's that's okay. for sure. And and judging by the way you sound and your confidence, I I, I kind of believe you. <laughs> I kind of believe you. You're a very confident man. Keep the confidence. Keep the swagger. Keep the hard work going. Look forward to seeing you on Sundays, Jordan. It was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Uh, thank you so much, sir. God bless for the opportunity, and you um, keep doing what you do, man. I, I really uh, respect it. Take care. Have a good day. Jordan Campbell, linebacker, New Mexico, New Mexico Highland University. Say that three times. New Mexico Highland University, New Mexico Highlands University. Jordan Campbell sounds a very confident man, very, very confident young man. Has a lot of confidence in his belief, a lot of confidence in his ability, and we shall see. I mean, you, you watch his YouTube videos, he's a workout freak. He's a workout machine. He's a workout machine, that guy. And so we shall see what happens in April. Switching gears now and looking at the Oscar Pistorius story, I mean, we've heard about it now. Oscar Pistorius killed, shot and killed his girlfriend. He says it's an accident. It's an accident. The DA in South Africa says it's not. And, you know, recently he just had his bail hearing. He did get bail. So he is out on bail for a little bit right now. And I look at that story, and and looking at that story, I, I say to myself, I don't know, it's just not, his story is just not very believable. His story to me is just not believable. I mean, he shoots her in the bathroom she's in the bathroom he shoots into the bathroom and his story is he thinks it is a burglar my first thing would be why would you not look in the bed and see if she was in the bed 
to me, that would be the first thing you do if you hear a noise. You look around. You see, okay, if I hear a noise, if my wife is getting out of bed and I hear some noise, my first thing is, okay, looking in the bed, is my, well, my wife's not in the bed, okay, so maybe it's my wife in there. That would be my first uh, thought. That would be my first thought. I don't, I mean, it's just, he said he felt vulnerable because he didn't have his prosthetics on, so he just fired at the bathroom door. That's what he says. That's what he says. I don't know. Apparently, at one, there was reports that there was some yelling between those two before that happened. And this, this whole thing will, will, will eventually play out moving forward. It, it will all play out moving forward in determining who and what happened on that particular day. It's just ironic that it happens on Valentine's Day. It will happen Valentine's night. You know, so it's just three, four o'clock in the morning, February fifteenth, technically, but Valentine's Day, basically. So it's just sad when you when you. It's not sad. What well, is sad, obviously, because a person died, but it's just ironic that the woman that he was dating, he killed, whether it was accidentally or whether it was premeditated, he killed on that particular day. It's just. I'm having a hard time buying his story. You don't look around to see if she's in the bed before you decide to do or start shooting in the bathroom. Like, it, it doesn't, I don't know. I'm having a hard time buying it. I really am having a hard time buying this whole story from him. And you look at his girlfriend, is the now deceased, Reva Steenkamp, and she said in, in you know her last interview that you know and and these are her quotes you know what they do they make things up Reva cheats on Oscar and rubbish like that I want lies I wouldn't want lies about us jeopardizing it and that is jeopardizing their relationship and there were rumors circulating there were rumors going around that she was in a relationship with a, a rugby player with a rugby player and that possibly could have been the motive for Oscar Pistorius. That could have been his motive. Maybe. I don't know. You know, the whole thing, again, ultimately it will play out. It will play out. It will play out. And we'll see exactly what happens here. But you look at this whole situation, I think it goes back to what I've been pre I preach a lot here on the, about this particular, particular topic on this show. As far as I'm concerned, I think a lot of times in life we start hero worshiping and we start putting guys on pedestals in places they just don't belong. And the thing about this whole situation with Oscar Pistorius, this is a guy who's overcome a lot to get to where he is at. Give him credit for that. I definitely give him credit for that. But that doesn't mean he is a, he wasn't or isn't flawed on, on, on some level. He's not perfect. And the thing about it is, we got to get to this point where we stop hero-worshipping people. You know what I mean? Because people will never live up to what the, the pedestal that we put them on. They'll never live up to it. Never, ever live up to it. They can't. It's impossible. You look at, I mean, let, let's look back in the day. Look at O.J. Simpson. America loved O.J. Simpson. Uh, America sees the image of O.J. running through airports throughout the country 
doing those Hertz commercials. America loved O.J. Simpson, and he let them down. He let them down. Americans loved Lance Armstrong as he's cycling up and down the French Alps and cycling during the Tour de France. America loved Lance Armstrong, how he beat cancer and came back and won seven straight Tour de France. America loves those type of stories. They love it. And then we find out he's basically a fraud. And then we find out that in a lot of ways this guy would do whatever he had to do to beat down whoever he had to beat down, to do whatever he needed to do to keep his lie alive, to, to keep his situation going. He did whatever he had to do. He did whatever he had to do. Maybe this, and I'm hoping, I hope that what happened here is Oscar Pistorius thought it was a burglar. I hope that truly was the case. I'm just kind of having a hard time believing that story. That story doesn't hold much water to me. That story is just not believable. It's just not believable at this point for me. But again, more will come out as this thing goes on and on. We'll find out ultimately if it, when it goes to trial. We'll find out exactly what happened. We'll find out exactly what happened. And we may not find out specifically what happened. It may, it may just come be one of those things where we never know what truly happened. It may just be one of those things. But I know this. The story that Oscar Pistorius is, is, is putting out here, I, I'm having a hard time believing it. I, I really am. doesn't mean it's not the truth. I just have a hard time believing it. I, I really do. Uh, it's just a story that just is not believable to me at this point. But again, that could change as this whole thing progresses. It could change. I'm just not a guy who believes at this time. I'm just not. But I look at this story, and it's just a sad, tragic story. Tragedy. Definitely a tragedy any time a person loses his or her life. And the reality is, we'll see how this thing plays out, but it's just a very compelling story. A very compelling story this whole situation with Oscar Pistorius. And we'll see how this whole thing settles out. I want to move on to boxing now. And Floyd Mayweather Jr. signs a big-time deal with Showtime. Six fights with Showtime. And this is a big-time contract. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, who is boxing, the number one guy in the sport of boxing, goes over to Showtime after many years with HBO. Many years with HBO. And he's off to Showtime, and his first fight with Showtime is going to be May 4th. May, I can't even talk. May 4th on Showtime against Robert the Ghost Guerrero. And so Floyd Mayweather, a lucrative, big-time deal with Showtime. Very, in, the terms, in terms of how much money he's going to get, Hasn't been released, but he's in line to make a lot. He's in line to make a lot of money. And Floyd Mayweather is boxing. I don't know if Floyd Mayweather is going to fight six more times. I don't know if he's going to fight six more times. 35 is going to be 36 soon. How many more fights does he have in him? He's getting older. Definitely getting older. A lot of people are talking about Floyd Mayweather now. Talk about the legs not being what they once were. 
his legs not being what they once were. Those legs are usually the first to go. Usually the first to go is the legs, and his legs are not what they once were, according to many, according to some. But can Robert Guerrero beat Floyd Mayweather? I'm I, I, just looking at Robert Guerrero and just hearing his story. You know how he took time off from boxing to be with his wife. The, the spiritual side of Robert Guerrero. You know, you almost believe that he could be Floyd Mayweather. Just talking to him, you believe it. Obviously, on the surface, there's no way you think he could beat Floyd Mayweather. But just listening to the guy, listening to him talking about his spiritual side and talking about the things that he overcame in terms of his wife, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. It's not, I mean, Guerrero is a guy that I think could, you know, he's a guy that likes to fight in close. He's a guy that I think that could possibly give Floyd a fight. He could possibly give Floyd a fight. Floyd, Floyd, I should say, a fight. He could. He could. I'm looking forward to it. Anytime Floyd Mayweather gets in the ring, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait to watch Floyd Mayweather May 4th. And maybe, you know, CBS involved in Showtime. Who knows? You know, we've seen boxing on network TV a few months back. Maybe that will continue. I hope it does. Great sport, the sport of boxing. No matter how many times they try to shoot themselves in the foot, boxing, it's still a great sport. And it's a very resilient sport because through the course of all those things, boxing finds a way to keep going. Finds a way to keep going. Marcus Lattimore, you remember him, a guy who tore three major ligaments, dislocated his right knee back in October. Well, according to his surgeon, Dr. James Andrews, the great Dr. James Andrews, Lattimore is ahead of schedule. He is ahead of schedule. And that's good news. That is truly good news. I mean, he tore his ACL, his LCL, and his PCL, and he dislocated his right knee. I'm rooting for this kid. I, I tru- I'm truly rooting for this kid. I truly am. This is a kid now who just ripped his knee up. I mean, we saw it. He just ripped his knee up. And you thought at that point, there's no way this guy can ever play football again. He ripped his knee up. And now he says, you know what? There's talk that he is ahead of schedule, which is good, which is a good thing. I hope he makes it back. I really do. I hope he makes it back, and I hope he is very, very successful on the NFL level. I really do. I really do, because he is a guy that you know. That's just a, it was, you know. You just felt bad for the kid when he ripped when you saw his knee all ripped up. You just felt bad for him. But to see and hear that he is ahead of schedule now is a beautiful thing. It truly is a beautiful thing. And again, I hope he makes it back. And we NBA trade deadline came and it went and it wasn't. Many big deals. Was not many big deals. And, you know, that, that be a trade deadline is always, always a good time. 
always a good time. And you love to see big deals. But this, this time around, it wasn't anything big. The deadline came, it went, and nothing really came of it. Small deals, J.J. Redick goes to Milwaukee. You know, nothing major. Nothing major whatsoever. None whatsoever. It came, it went, it gone. It's gone. And you look at Josh Smith, one of the guys who stuck around with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, there's a report out that it's highly unlikely that Josh Smith will resign, resign, I should say, with the Hawks. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely that he will. And he wants a max deal. He feels like he is a max player. I don't know. Max players are franchise players in my mind, in theory. Do you think Josh Smith is a franchise player? I don't know if he's consistent enough to be a franchise player. He's not consistent enough. You know, he, 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 you know, he could do a lot on the court. He can get up and down the court like no other. He can rebound. He can score. He can do many things. I mean, 17 points a game, eight boards, eight boards a game. So the guy can do some things. The guy can do some things. Now, in terms of him being able, him being a max guy, I mean, I guess judging by some of the contracts that are that are out there, you could say theoretically he could be. But in a true sense of the word, Josh Smith is probably not a max guy. Probably not a max guy. Again, he can do it all. He can do a lot. He can block shots. He can rebound. He can score the basketball. But his vers- I mean, his versatility is, is off the charts. But in terms of him being a guy that you would give max money to, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think you're giving max money to Josh Smith. I don't see it. I don't see it. He's going to get paid, though. Well, whether it's max money or not, he's going to get paid somewhere. Could end up getting max money. Who knows? But he's going to get paid. And speaking of a guy who still may get paid, even though he hasn't played a game this season, Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum. I mean, we saw him this week. He had the afro and the cornrows working uh, this week during one of his interviews. Just, you know, he's a guy that... that kind of does his own thing, and, you know, you kind of respect people who do their own thing. But Andrew Bynum, you wonder, as this thing continues to progress and go on and on, will this guy ever see a court? Will this guy ever get on the basketball court? I mean, it's just, it's, it, as a Sixers fan, it's maddening. Because we, we, we hear about every time, okay, he had a setback. And then you heard, okay, well, initially you heard what? November, December. Then you heard a setback, January. Then you heard, okay, he'll be back either before or after the All-Star break. He still has not gotten on the court just yet. He still has not gotten on the court just yet. He guarantees, he says 100% chance, it's 100% chance that he will be on the court this season. 
How many games will he be on the court for? Maybe 10, 15? Well, it's only 20-some-odd games left in the season. So how many games will he actually play this year? It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But I think at the same time, from his standpoint, he's going to get paid still. I think he's still going to find a way to get paid. Somebody's going to give him money. He's a seven-footer, second-best center in the game when he's on the court. Somebody's going to give him something. Somebody is going to give him something. Now, whether he gets the max money that he desires, whether he gets max money, I don't know. I don't know if he gets the max money. But I do know this. I do know this. This dude better get on the court. As uh, as speaking from a Sixer point of view, a Sixer fan point of view, this guy has to get on the court. You got to get this man on the court. And I think, you know, in terms of his financial situation, in terms of getting that big-time contract, I think it would behoove him to get on the court for something, for 10 to 15 games at least, just for teams to get a glimpse of what he can do. But he seems like he's very far off. He seems very far off. He's not practicing with the team. He's practicing off by himself. So I don't know when this guy will get on the court. If he ever will get on the court this season. If he ever will get on the court this season. And I I, and I said this when the trade happened, and I'll say it now. If Andrew Bynum doesn't get on the court at all this season, it still was a deal that I would do 10 out of 10 times. I still would do the deal. The Sixers went as far as they could go. They are what they they were what they were. They weren't going any more any further than they got. I mean, it was fool's gold to think that they could go any further with the team that they had last season. Fool's gold. Fool's gold to think that they could be any more than what they are with Iguodala as their star, as their number one guy. Fool's gold in my mind. And so Doug Collins and the Sixers, as far as I'm concerned, did the right thing. They did the right thing. Now, you hope that in doing the right thing, ultimately, 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 you hope that Andrew Bynum can get his butt on the court. But the more, the more the days go by, the more skeptical you become about that happening. I mean, you become very skeptical because at this point, you don't believe that it will happen. You're starting to just have, not starting, the doubts are there. The doubts are in the minds of a lot of people right now. A lot of people. You hope he comes back. You hope Bynum can get himself on the court. But at the days and the weeks, go by, it becomes more and more and more unlikely for that to happen. More unlikely for that to happen. There was another big deal during the trade deadline. Kings shipped off Thomas Robinson, their fifth pick, the fifth pick in the 2012 draft. They ship him off already. That was quick. That was quick. 
One year, and he's gone. Wow. And then you have the Morris brothers, Morris twins being reunited in Phoenix, and you know that feels good. It's going to be exciting for those guys because they never played without each other. And now they're, they're, they're playing with each other again. That's got to be cool for those guys. Definitely has to be cool for those guys. And then, you know, the trade deadline, like I said, it wasn't anything big. Wasn't anything special. Wasn't the big names, Josh Smith, Dwight Howard. Not any of those, none of those guys. None of those guys were traded, and they're sticking, and they're staying. Interesting story. you got a Cowboy fan now who lost a bet. He lost a bet. Lifelong Cowboys fan, and he lost a bet. As a result of the bet, he named his kid after R.G. Three. That's a crazy bet. That's a crazy bet. Come on. Now, you know, I love football just like the next man. But in terms of I'm going to pin the, the name of my child on a bet over a football game, please. I believe that names have power. I believe that names have meaning. Names are important. What you name your kid is, is important. It's important. I mean, it's very important. But anyway, Marissa Pena, who was a lifelong Cowboys fan, she bet her boyfriend now. She bet her boyfriend, who was a lifelong Redskins fan. The bet was... Now, here's the bet. If Vega and the Redskins win, if the Redskins win, then her boyfriend gets the name... Her kid, Robert Griffin Vega. RGV. <laughs> RGV. The baby is due in April. So we might have an RGV. An RGV. That's stupid. That's so stupid. Their baby. It's their baby. It is their baby. It could have been either. Emmett Vega, Daryl Green Vega. They settled on active players, though. They wanted active players. They wanted active players. This is stupid, stupid bet. Who does that? Who does that? RGV, Robert Griffin Vega. Hopefully it's a very good football player, a very strong and successful athlete. Hopefully. So he can live up to the RGV. V name. Maybe. I doubt it. I doubt it. But we shall see. I want to thank Barry Floyd for stopping by. Make sure you check him out on the game. The game gets started on BET in March. Make sure you check it out. Also, follow this man on Twitter, at Barry underscore Floyd, and support some of the great things Barry Floyd has going on. Also, I want to thank Jordan Campbell, the ever-confident Jordan Campbell, as he prepared for the upcoming NFL draft, follow him on Twitter at J underscore Campbell underscore C-O-S. Follow this man on Twitter. He's a very confident man. He tells me he's going to be playing on Sunday. He tells me he's going to make an impact 
in the NFL, and just judging by his confidence and judging by the confidence in his voice, I think. I believe him. So support some of the great things Jordan Campbell has going on. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow this show on Twitter and myself on Twitter at GoForItGant. And again, listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecant. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great day. We hope you have a great week. See you later. Take care.